Hello. We are so excited that you've decided to join us today via our podcast. There are other ways you can join. You can watch us live on Facebook and YouTube under Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries or on our website at www.mtdm.org. You can also join us in the sanctuary at 401 North Wright Street in Burgall, North Carolina. The zip code is 28425. If you'd like to give a donation, you can simply go to our website at mtdm.org and click on that donation button. God bless you. Pride, and a part of pride is vain glory. So when we look at pride, pride is where you are being want to be exalted, but vain glory is where you want people to see what you have done. It's all about you. It's all about self. The definition again of vain glory is conceited, um, proud of oneself, pleased with oneself, self-loving, in love with oneself, self-admiring, self-regarding, and self-centered. So vain glory is all about self. The example that I gave, if somebody is an A student and they know that they are A student, then they're lifting themselves up because they're the ones in the classroom with all the A's. But a person that goes beyond that, that's vainglorious, is saying, I want people to know I'm the one in the classroom with all the A's. Galatians 5.26, Amplified reads, Let us not become vainglorious and self-conceited, competitive and challenging and provoking and irritating to one another, envying and being jealous of one another. So vainglory is really, it's about you. And that's a part of pride. Anytime somebody come to you and they want to um, tell you something that's going on with you and you come back to them in a proud way and say, it ain't nothing wrong with me, what about you? Because you don't want them to see you. You want them to see them because you're lifting yourself up. You're, you're prideful. You're saying, you know, it's all about me. So that's what pride does. But vain glory, what it does again is saying... Really, I want everybody to see what I have accomplished. I want everybody to see what I have done. Proverbs twenty-five twenty-seven says, It is not good to eat too much honey, nor does it bring you honor to brag about yourself and seek honor. Anyone who brags about themselves all the time is in pride. Anyone that's in pride will um, say that it wasn't them. Or they want people to see it wasn't them. They want people to see that it was the other person. Pride always lifts themselves up above everybody else. Prideful people are never wrong. They're always right. A person that realizes that they're in pride, they will, if they're in Christ, they will humble themselves. If they know that they're caught up in pride and they said something that made them look above anyone else, they'll come back to you and say, forgive me, I should not have made myself look better than you. Let me go back in another way. So that's a a person that's humbling themselves. Where pride is, there will be a fall. We went over on Matthew chapter 6. It's talking about the Pharisees. And this talks about vain being vain glory and vain glory. They wanted people to know when they gave. They wanted people to know when they were praying because they would do long prayers. They would stand out in the streets in front of people to let people know what they were doing. They wanted to be saying that's vainglory. Anytime you want people to know what you have done, 
that's vain glory because it's all about you and that's a form of pride so we want to be careful even in your prayer life just because you know all the scriptures and somebody asks you to pray we don't want to get up there and show off to make people feel like i know scripture better than you or you should have done it this way and not that way that's a prideful person so when you go back through matthew 6 you will see examples of those pharisees trying to let people know what they gave they're trying to let people know how um to pray or how good that they that they pray um we also went in second kings 5 19 through 14 we talked about naaman naaman was the captain of of hosts and you know he won many um battles for the king of syria so he had leprosy so the the maiden that was in his house uh told him to go to elijah and Elijah would cure him of that leprosy. So when he went, Elijah didn't even come out to him. He was very upset that Elijah didn't come out and lay hands on him. Elijah just sent a message, say, if you go dip in the Jordan seven times, you will be healed. Naaman got so angry because Elijah did not come out to him that he said, could he have not come out to me and laid hands on me? That's a prideful person. Because he was looking, wanted people to look up to him. And Elijah was not looking up to him. He was just delivering the message. So what he did after he got angry, he was more angry because he told him to dip in the Jordan. And the Jordan River was dirty. He said, could he not ask me to dip in these other um, rivers? So his servant checked him. And this is what we have to do as saints. When you see somebody in pride, some people will be in pride and don't even recognize that pride because they're so used to being prideful, they don't see themselves. They see everybody else. His servant checked him and said, if he had asked you to do such great thing, you know, a great thing, would you have done it? So when he checked him, he went and dipped and he was healed. So we have to check people that have pride because some people don't know that they're prideful. They get so used to being who they are, they get comfortable in that skin and think it's okay to act this way. So we as saints of God have to let people recognize where they, you know, what, what's going on in their lives. But tonight, what I want to go over is God had given me something else. Um, I could go over many things dealing with the blockers of prayer, but he shifted it a little bit. And this is what he was sharing with me today. What stops us from praying, from communicating with God is being emotionalized. Our emotions will stop us from going into prayer with God, from really hearing what God has to say. And he gave me the scripture, and we're so familiar with this scripture. God will take us back through scripture to show us the things that he want us to see. Go with me for, to 1 Kings um, the 19th. 1 Kings the 19th chapter. And again, I'm talking about Elijah, not Elisha. Elijah. We know what um, happened with Elijah, how he um, killed the prophets of Baal. And he got a message um, Ahab went and told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Now, once Jezebel got that message from her husband, 
she sent a message back to Elijah. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So she sent him a message letting him know the same way you kill those prophets is the same way I'm going to kill you. So Elijah, what he did, it said when he saw that, so when somebody speak a word to you, and that word is bringing darkness, which that word was bringing fear, he began to see what was being said. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. Now, let me um, go back and, and expand the Bible and read verse 3. It said, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life, taking his servant with him. When they came to Beersheba in Judah, Elijah left his servant. So he was afraid because he saw what she was saying. So see, his emotions were being stirred up. So I'm going to get to the part of prayer. When your emotions get stirred up, what happens is there's fear there. Fear is the root. But then underneath that fear, the root is fear, but around that fear is worry and it's anxiety. So when Elijah heard what she was saying, see, the enemy knows if I can get you in your emotions, if I can get you emotionalized through fear, Worry is going to be there. Anxiety is going to be there. Anytime anxiety come or worry come, fear is the root. And fear will paralyze you. It will torment you. It will stop you from doing what God has called you to do. So this is what Elijah did. He ran because he saw exactly what she was saying. Now I'm going to give you some more history on Elijah. Go to 1 Kings 17. Now we know here that Elijah... He got a word from the Lord. He was a prophet of the Lord. So he was only delivering to them a word that God had given him. So how many know that Elijah had to have a prayer life? In order to bring the word before the people, he had to get the word from God. He had to communicate with God. So God was communicating through Elijah because he, because he was a prophet. He was the mouthpiece of God, meaning that he was speaking on God's behalf. In order for us to carry out what God wants us to carry out, we have to get to know him. We have to spend time with him. And spending time with him, we will hear what God is saying unto us because we will know his voice because his sheep know his voice. So Elijah delivered the word, and I'm going to go to, um, now Elijah the Tishbite was a prophet from the settlers in Gilead. He said, I serve, stand before the Lord, the God of Israel. Elijah said to Ahab, as surely as the Lord lives, no dew or rain will fall during the next few years unless I command it, except by my word. The reason why. Elijah brought this to the people because they were worshiping another God and they were believing in that God for rain to come upon the land. So God told Elijah, I want you to speak this word to them. And the reason why he done it, he was really letting them know it is no God higher than I. So Elijah spoke that word, the word that God told him to speak. And after he spoke that word, now listen, God had to still be in communication with Elijah. 
Why am I saying this? Because if Elijah is speaking no rain, Elijah is part of that famine. He's in the midst of that famine. I want y'all to catch this. Anything that God does. Now, anything that he does or anything that happens, God is going to protect his people. So Elijah spoke on his behalf. And after Elijah spoke on his behalf, he had to hear God again. So God began to speak right back to Elijah. And he told Elijah, this is what I want you to do. So in prayer, we have to be able to hear God and not only hear him, but be obedient to what he's telling us so it will manifest. By Elijah being before God, God told him, tell them, it's not going to be no rain. And the only way the rain will come, it's going to come through me speaking it. See, our words have power. So God used Elijah as his representative. He spoke no rain. And Elijah said, when it's time for the rain again, then God is going to allow me to speak it unto you. But after Elijah said what he said, God was giving Elijah some security here. Then the Lord spoke his word, his word to Elijah. This is what he said. Leave this place and go east and hide east of the Jordan River, drink from the stream that I have commanded, ordered the ravens to bring you food there. So God spoke to Elijah. He told Elijah, this is where I want you to go. Y'all, this is prayer. This is communication. This is communing with God. Now, I want y'all to see, as I'm talking, I want you to see Elijah standing before the people, and he's telling those people, there will be no rain. Except according to my word. You see him speaking that word. After he spoke that word, then God spoke to Elijah again and he told Elijah, this is where I want you to go. The ravens is going to feed you there. The Bible said that as God spoke to him, he went. This is what prayer is about. There's um, Elijah talking, God speaking, and Elijah obeying God. A prayer is, is a two-way conversation when we go into prayer it's not for us to be so emotionalized sometime in prayer we can be so much in our emotions crying out to God because of our hurts because of our disappointment because of how worried we are because of how anxious we are we just pouring out crying out to God and we think we're doing something but your emotions really stop you from hearing what God is saying Why is that happening? Because the enemy know if I can get them to keep running off at the mouth, then they're not going to hear what God has to say. And they're not going to know what to do in this situation. This is why Elijah, he waited on God to speak to him. And as God spoke to him, he did what God said. Elijah was calm in all of this. It does not say anything about him being afraid, about him being anxious. It's only saying Elijah did what God told him to do. When the brook dried up, God told him, I want you to go to Zarephath. He said, I have commanded a woman to sustain you there, to provide for you there. What did Elijah do? He heard from God. He did what God said. So when we hear, we need to do, and that's when we see the manifestation. This is how you know that you have a direct line to God. Every time God speak, you do, there's the manifestation. But what happens is the enemy know if we're so worried, if we're so anxious, if we're so afraid, then we're not going to do what God is saying because we're wondering, is that you, God, or is that just me? 
But Elijah was so in communication with God that whatever God said he'd done. Imagine when the raven fed Elijah just like God said. He knew that's God. So the next time that God gave him more instructions and told him what to do, he's going to do it. Why? Because he followed the first set and he got the manifestation. If God is speaking to you, how are you really going to know it is God if you don't experience him through what he's saying? So we have to take him at his word no matter how foolish it look or how foolish it may appear. We need to say, well, God, if you said it, I'm going to do it. And that's the end of it. So when you hear God, you need to do what he's saying to see the manifestation that God want to manifest. So we know what happened in Zarephath. When he got there, he asked the woman to get him some water. The woman was going to get him some water. But all of a sudden, he stopped her and he told her, just give me a morsel of bread. And she said, as sure as the Lord lives, this is what I have. I have basically her her meal or flour or whatever she had, a little bit of oil. I'm going to make some bread for me and my son, and we're going to eat it, and we're going to die. She already made up her mind that she was going to die. But look, God had already talked to that widow And had that widow to sustain him. But now look what was happening with that widow. That widow knew it was a famine in the land. She knew what she had left. So she already made up her mind. We're going to eat this and die because this is all we have. But Elijah said, go do exactly what you said. Go make that bread. But I want you to take the first loaf that you make and give it to me. And then you go and make you and your son a loaf. But remember in the beginning, she said, I have a little bit of what? Flour, whatever, a little bit and a little bit of oil. So think about this. How is she going to make Elijah first? And then have some to make her and her son. Now she just said, this is all I have left for me and my son. So what Elijah was telling her, give to me first. Once she gave to him first, guess what was going to happen? That bread was going to multiply. Because she wasn't only given to Elijah, she was given to a man of God that was representing God. So once she did all of this, we know what the word of God said. She had enough for her and her son to live on. She lived through that famine. Why did I go through this? The reason why I went through this is because Elijah was hearing and Elijah was doing. But what happened between 1 Kings 17 on up to 1 Kings 19? What happened with Elijah to make Elijah run like he did from Jezebel when Elijah saw how God was providing for him. See, in between these two uh, chapters from 18, from 17, 18, here's 19, something had to be going on with Elijah in his thinking for him to change just like that. See, when you have a little bit of worry or a little bit of anxiety in you and you don't take hold of that, the enemy is going to use that little and then it's going to explode and then you're going to run for your life. Just like Elijah, even though he was carrying the word of God, even though I or you may carry the word of God, when things come up, you're going to know where you are. You can speak God's word. You can see that word manifest because everything in your house is good. But all of a sudden, when you hear something, 
You know, you, you sitting before the Lord, you, you know, hearing him, you thanking him, you saying you trust him. God is sending you here. He's sending you there. You see in the manifestation, but all of a sudden you hear something, maybe a doctor's report, maybe a report dealing with your marriage, maybe a report dealing with your children, maybe a report dealing with something or someone that you love. And all of a sudden anxiety and worry come up and you're running for your life. Can I get a witness? This happens. Some people say, I got it. You can talk, you got it going on when everything look good. When you feeling good. But when things knock on your door, you know exactly where you are. You ain't the talkative person you always been. You ain't the person that always called people and said, let's pray. You ain't the, the person you used to be. All of a sudden things have changed because anxiety and worry have taken over your life. So as, so Elijah, this man of God that had a prayer life with God, that was hearing God, he allowed the words that Jezebel spoke to him to change how he was. Let's talk about it some more. I hope this is helping somebody because it sure did help me. Because we never know, do we? So here go Elijah. He ran for his life. And this says in verse 4, I'm going back to 1 Kings 19. Verse 3, I read that. It said, Then Elijah walked, journeyed for a whole day into the desert and wilderness, now look at this, y'all. When fear come, when worry and anxiety come, what do we do? We go into a wilderness. We go lay down somewhere. We begin to think about what was said or what we heard. That's, that's a wilderness. So Elijah went in the wilderness. He went on a, a day's journey into the wilderness. He walked journey for a whole day into the desert, the wilderness. He sat down under a bush, a juniper broom tree, and asked to die. I have had enough, Lord, he prayed. Let me die. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors, the fathers that is already dead. Then he laid down under the tree and slept. Now look at this prayer now, y'all. His communication with God now is about let me die. Sometimes we get so fed up with the trials and things that we go through in life because things do happen to each one of us. Things have happened. Some things might be going on right, you know, in your lives right now. But these things are going to come. But we don't let these things put us in a place where we're out of the position that God has put us in. Because God already know what's coming. This is why we got to stay in so much communication with God that he prepare us even for what's yet to come. Just like David and Goliath, even though Goliath was much bigger than David, being that David has such a relationship with God, how he commune, communicated with God, he let them know this is what's going to happen to Goliath. Because the same God that saved me from the paws of the lion and the bear, he's the same God that has saved me from this uncircumcised Philistine. What was he doing? He was building himself up. He was remembering his past victory. So when we get in situations when we're so emotionalized, we got to go back and remember, God, if you've done it for me, then you already done it for me now. God, the enemy is coming in like a flood, but the spirit of the living God is going to lift up a standard right now, even against him. Come on, all of us get down and out every now and then. 
every day for us supposed to be a good day. Amen. But things happen. Things come to try to shut us down, to try to keep us from doing what God has called us to do. So Elijah gave up. He said, just let me die. Just let me be like the uh, my ancestors. Let me die. So he was given up to die. He was in a wilderness. He was having a wilderness experience. But guess what? How many know God ain't going to let you die like that? Because God already know the plan, the purpose that he have for your life. So Elijah, when he was saying, let me die, that's a pity party, isn't it? How many of us have had a pity party? We have pity parties. Come on. We, we look at our lives. We look at how things are going, dealing with the pandemic. Some people look at, I can't do what I used to do. Can't go where I used to go. Every time I turn around, I got to slap on this mask because you don't know who's around you, what they're doing. Guess what's happening there then? Your mind. The enemy is building up worry. He's building up anxiety because that's a part of fear. That is that root. So this is why we have to stay in communication with God at all times to hear what he want us to hear and see what he want us to see so we can do what he want us to do. So Elijah, when he sat down and he, he lay down to die under the tree and he slept, that was depression. Y'all know when you're in a wilderness experience and you're sleeping all the time, that's depression, right? Depression will put you to sleep. Depression will make you so tired, you feel like you worked the whole day and haven't done nothing. That's what depression does. So he slept. And listen at this. Suddenly an angel, a messenger came to him and touched him. Get up and eat, the angel said. Elijah saw near his head a loaf baked over coals, hot stones, and a jar of water. So he ate and drank. Then he went back to sleep and he lay down again. The angel came the second time, touched him, and said, get up and eat. If you don't. The, if you don't, the journey will be too hard, much for you. So Elijah got up and ate and drunk and drank. The food made him strong enough to walk for 40 days and nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Now, this is what the Lord showed me there. He sent that messenger to him and he told him, get up and eat. God is sending me to you tonight to say, get up and get in the word. Eat the word. Because the more of the word that you eat, the more you will have that life that's going to sustain you, that's going to give you the strength to go on the journey, to keep doing what God has called you to do. If you lay down in it, it's not going to help. You're not going to be able to hear God. You're not going to be able to persevere. You're not going to know what God is saying. Sometimes we settle for stuff because we get tired. Because we say we're tired of going through the same thing. But God always have a messenger just like he's sending me to you tonight as a messenger to say rise up. Get up. It's not too late. It's not over. God is saying get up. You don't have to lay there in that anymore. So when he sent that angel, guess what? What that angel gave him lasted 40 days. Oh, ain't God good. Can you think of all the word that you can pour in? The life that's coming from the word of God. Because God said man does not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's how we live. So if we're chewing on the word of God. And we're digesting that word as we meditate on that word. It's building us up. It's making us stronger. And it's helping us to get from day to day. So this is what Elijah done. He did what God told him to do. But God said, I want you to go to the mountain of God. See, God still had something for Elijah to do. 
But he had to build him back up. He had to get him back in that place so he can give him instructions and let him know what he wanted him to do. So Elijah went to that mountain. It says that, let me go back. Verse 8, so Elijah got up, ate, and drank. The food made him strong enough to walk for 40 days and nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There Elijah went into a cave and stayed all night. Then the Lord spoke his word to Elijah, to him, Elijah, why are you here? He answered, Lord, all powerful of heaven's armies of hosts, I have always served you as well as I could, been very zealous for you. But the people, the sons, children of Israel have broken, abandoned, forsaken their agreement, their covenant with you. Destroy, tore down your altars and kill your prophets with swords. I'm the only prophet alone left and now they are trying to kill me, seek my life too. Now, the Lord told Elijah this. After Elijah stated his case, Elijah was still in his feelings. He was still emotionalized. But guess who he was talking to, y'all? He was talking to God. He didn't take those emotions outside. He took his emotions to God. So what am I saying tonight? Even though we are so emotionalized, God is always there to hear us. God is always there to let us know what need to be done for us. So even though you are emotionalized, God is still hearing you. But the problem is those emotions will stop us from hearing God if we get too far out there. If we still lay around in what we're going through. When things don't happen the way that we think they should happen, we should give God glory and say, God, maybe that's not the plan. Maybe that's not the way you want to go at this time. So God, I'm going to give you glory that whichever way you go, I'm going to praise you. See, praise will help you to get out of those emotions. So when you so emotionalize and you feel like you can't go to God in prayer, just get up and begin just to praise him. Just get up and begin to thank him. Say, God, I may not have this man or woman I want, but God, I'm going to give you glory that you're here with me. You never leave me, nor shall you forsake me. My husband may not be acting right. My wife may not be acting right. My kids may be all everywhere doing everything, but I'm going to give you some glory. So before we go to God with those emotions, we need to begin to tear down those things that's tearing us down this weighing us down God you said that you would give me a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness so God I'm gonna praise you right now God is saying to somebody right now you need to get in your praise you need to begin to praise God for that spirit of heaviness that you're carrying some people in here now are saying I ain't had no heaviness on me I'm feeling right good right now see right now you're feeling right good but when you go back into your house when you go back into that place that depression is in that's where you left it then you're going to go right back feeling like i'm tired i don't want to be bothered just leave me alone i'm trying to hear god but when you begin to praise him and to glorify him and say god i'm thanking you in advance i may not know but i'm thanking you in advance god my bank account may not be where it need to be but i'm thanking you in advance god my husband may be cutting out he may be cutting the food but i'm giving you glory in advance because you told me to cast all see once you begin to praise him the scriptures begin to rise up you told me to cast all my cares upon you because you care about me see when you cast something over to him you giving him everything 
And when you give it to him, you're not taking it back. God, I have given it to you. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. So the more we praise him, the more we empty ourselves of us and we're glorifying him because we're depending on him, we're trusting in him, and we're knowing that he's God. So Elijah stated his case. He was before God, he was stating his case, and then God began to tell Elijah. The Lord said to Elijah, go stand in front or before me on the mountain and I will pass by you. Then a very strong wind blew into it, caused the mountain to fall apart and large rocks to break in front of the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a quiet, gentle sound. The sound of a gentle whisper, a blowing wind, or a brief sound of silence, a still, small voice. When Elijah heard it, let me tell you how you know that fear has left because there's a stillness. God came in a stillness. See, Elijah was so used to the earthquake when it came to God. He was so used to the fire. He was so used to what? The wind. But God came in another way. There was a stillness. He said, be still. And know that I'm God. Turn with me to Psalms 46. Listen to what God is saying in Psalms 46. God is our protection, refuge, our strength. He always helps in times of trouble, distress. So we will not be afraid even if the earth shakes, quicks, quakes, or the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, even if the ocean, the waters roar and foam, or the mountains shake, tremble at the raging sea, Salah, there is a river that brings joy to the city of God, the holy place where God most high lives. God is in that city. And so it will not be shaken. God will help her at dawn. Nations tremble and kingdoms shake. God shouts and the earth crumbles. The Lord all-powerful is with us. The God of Jacob is our defender. Come and see what the Lord has done. The amazing things he has done on the earth. He stopped wars everywhere on the earth. He breaks all the bows and shatters spears and burns up the chariots. Of with fire. God says, Be still and know that I'm God, and I will be praised, and all the nations I will be praised throughout the earth. So the Lord is telling us, Be still. And that's what was happening to Elijah. There was a quietness, there was a stillness. It was a small voice. The enemy know if you get too anxious, if you get too worried, you're not going to hear what God is saying. That's why we cannot be so emotionalized in prayer because we cannot hear God. Yet he's speaking. We cannot hear him. The Bible say, I sought the Lord 
And he heard me. And he delivered me from all of my fears. See, when you begin to seek the Lord and truly seek him, it's a heartfelt thing, y'all. When you truly seek him from your whole heart and you're truly crying out from your heart, your heart is just crying out to God, all of a sudden there's a stillness. There's a peace like a, a river, like a river, just a flowing river that you never felt before. You know that that fear has left. Because now you're hearing God. Because God is speaking and you're hearing him well. And it's not something like an anger voice. But it's so subtle. It's so sweet. It's so peaceful. This is what Elijah was hearing. And y'all know the rest of this chapter. How it was saying. How when Elijah spoke to God again. And told him about the prophets. That there was no prophets living. And God began to tell Elijah. That he did have more prophets. So what am I saying tonight? If we don't get our emotions under control, we will miss what God is saying and we won't be able to do what God wants us to do. This is why in the Bible it talks about when the young girl had died and I believe it was Jairus' daughter. And when Jesus heard, when they came and told him, don't bother the master any longer. The first thing Jesus did when he heard what they said, he said, fear not only believe Jesus heard and he counteracted what he heard but then what he did he didn't take all them with him in that room he took the mother he took the father he took the disciples and he shut the door so in order for us to keep our emotions where they need to be we got to turn off some stuff we can't be watching the news more than we're in the word You can't be watching things on television more than you're in the word. You can't be on Facebook more than you're in the word because whatever you into more will be in you. And that's not the way it should be. We should be so full of him that when things come, we may be shaken, but we're not going to be moved. God want the church to be in a place for what's yet to come on this earth. And it's more yet to come. That was a famine with Elijah. But being that he was there um, in the presence of God, he knew he was protected. We have to know in this day, of time, this day of time that we are protected. We have to know in this day and time that God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. Now, how much freely would God not give us all things because of giving us his son? He gave me an example how your mind controls your body. Whatever you put in your mind, that's how your body is going to react. If you love chocolate uh, cake and you think about that chocolate cake all the time, your body reacts to the way you're thinking. Your body, your flesh is craving that chocolate, even though you ain't had it. Did anybody see chocolate cake while I'm talking? Do y'all see that layer of chocolate in that? She says she don't see it. Natasha says she don't see it. But whoever loves chocolate cake is stirring your flesh up right now. Or pound cake. Strawberry pound cake. You taking off her mask and wiping her mouth. (laughs) I'm just picking on you, Julia. But that's what we do. Anything that you love, when you think about it, you have drool coming from your mouth. 
And your, your taste buds will begin to stir up with that Pepsi, right, Athea? That Pepsi, you put it on some ice and you can see it going in that glass and you, you be ready for, I just got to have that Pepsi. Or somebody may be Coke, Mountain Dew, whatever it may be. Whatever you may like, you thinking about it first, your body's reacting to it, right? So God gave me an example of actors. Y'all know how actors would get their script and they have to study that thing out you may not see that movie for a year, right? But that actor is taking that script for that time, meditating on it. And they have to become that person in that script so well that you will not be able to tell the difference, right? So the Lord gave me an actor, uh, Fred Sanford, Red Fox. He played that role all the time. Elizabeth, I'm coming to see you. I'm having a heart attack. He died of a heart attack. He played that thing so well. I didn't know him as Red Fox. I knew him as Fred Sanford. If anybody said Red Fox, I would say, who is that? But if they say Fred Sanford, I'm like, okay, I got you. So people have roles that they have to play and they have to get into that role. What about Will Smith playing um, Serena Williams and her sister father? He got into that role so much that when you watch that, you did not see Will Smith. You seen the daddy true his mind controlled his body he had to observe that daddy he had to watch what that daddy did his facial expressions had to be whomever you hang around the most is whom you're going to represent you're going to start acting like them you're going to start talking like them come on husband and wife team come on y'all my husband when we're in the bathroom he got his sink i got my sink right i didn't know this For some reason, when I brush my teeth, I'll do this right here and do this right here. I have my arm here. My husband told Brother Willie, tell me, I done started putting my arm here, brushing my teeth. Some of y'all doing something. Husband and wives, you in the same house. When you get married, you become so much one that whatever the other one do, the other one begin to do it. I'll give you another example. I'll just use this because I like seafood. He likes seafood. Let's say I didn't like seafood. So when we went somewhere, I never ordered the seafood because I didn't like it because I said it done something to me, right? But he always loved it. So each time we went out, I always said what it done to me. So later on, my husband would say, "Um, I don't like seafood. It, It makes me swell up. He liked it before. But he hung around me so much because I, no, I'm just using that as an example. This don't happen. This hasn't happened. But he's done started doing what I do now. He dislikes what I like and he likes what I like. This happens in households. Be careful. Because when you become one and a person sit around you all the time and complain and mumble, you're going to do it too. When you become one, if you ain't in this word the way you need to be, they're going to make you stumble. When you become one, that person will start telling you stuff that you ain't never thought about before. Now, all of a sudden, you're doing what they do. The mind controls the body. This is why you got to shut down negative stuff in your house. My grandfather, when you would go to his house, his children, and they'll be fussing or whatever, he say, you got a home? Yeah, daddy, you know I got a home. Get to it. He would not allow arguing in his home. He wouldn't allow foolishness in his home. He did not allow it. You know why? Now understand, because the mind controls the body. 
Anything you allow, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, so does he become. That's why I try to shut my ears off to what people are saying negative. I don't want to hear all that stuff. Well, they said that if you do this, if you, I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me nothing about it. My daughter would be telling us sometime, you know, the things that would happen. I said, I don't want to hear it. Please, I don't want to hear it. I just don't want to hear it. I don't want that stuff stuck in my head. <laughs> Some people can hear how people get cut open or this happened to them. Uh-uh. I don't want to hear it because I got to keep my mind stayed on him. So when I'm praying for somebody, I don't see somebody bust wide open. Some people don't understand that. I understand it now. The enemy used any trigger he can to stop you from doing what God has called you to do so you can be more emotionalized than you are spiritualized. So it's time for the church to get into the word and allowing the word to get into us, renewing our mind on a daily basis, meditating on the word, so when we're before our father, we can hear him more than we hear our emotions. Are you hearing your emotions more than you hear God? Let's think about it. Are we hearing anger? Are we hearing strife? Are we hearing offense? Are we hearing hurt? What are we hearing more than we're hearing God? Because if you hear God more than you hear that, you calm down quicker. Anybody that's hearing something more than they're hearing God, they're more in a rage than calming down. You can't get them to shut up. They ain't hearing from God because the Holy Spirit, he's telling you, be quiet. And you get louder. That tells you where you are. And this is why we got to shut the door. Just like Jesus shut out all that negative stuff, he shut it out, didn't he? He only brought the people in there that needed to be in that room. God said, shut this door to all of this foolishness. If your house is in a rage, whether it's your husband or your wife, shut the door, walk out. You don't have to deal with it. If they don't want to shut up, you say, I speak to that spirit that's using you in the name of Jesus. Don't allow that stuff in your house. If they want to fuss, let them fuss by themselves. Everything don't deserve an answer. We got to cut out this emotionalism. In the church. We're so emotionalized. We don't hear the word that's coming to save you. To free you from what you're going through. God has brought so much word in this house. That many people should have been delivered over. I don't know how long ago. But when your emotions get into it. It bypass you. Because you so much in your emotions. How people feel. Or how you're hurt. And nobody don't feel like. How you know how somebody else feel. And I'm surely God, sure God ain't told you because you can't hear him for yourself. So how are you hearing it for everybody else? So it's time for us to turn off these emotions. Starting here at the pulpit. I'm a witness. I'm a living witness. Y'all, with what I teach with pulling down strongholds, y'all don't think I get it. Oh, yes, Lord, I get it. Lord, have mercy. That's why I bring it to you to let you know if you don't turn it off, it's going to have you in a whirlwind that you got to call and cry out to God for help. Because he's the only one that can help you. So it's time to turn off these emotions before we go into prayer. And it's through giving him praise. Amen. I pray that all of y'all have gotten something out of this tonight. And God went back to old Elijah. And some of us say, oh, if I was like Elijah, you sure you want to be like Elijah? You sure you want to go through what they went through back there? 
Because they was martyred. They went through some things. Amen. Is there anyone in here tonight that want to uh, talk about being emotionalized before we close out? How that affect you when you go into prayer or anything else? Is there anybody that want to share? Nobody. Okay. We're good then. Nobody want to share. Did anybody want to go over tonight how this teaching have helped you? Did anybody get any help from this teaching? Well, do anybody want to come up here and say what kind of help you got from this teaching? Somebody's emotions probably rising up right now. Come on, man. Um, speaking on the emotional part, I can relate to Elijah because I remember it's been some years ago. Um, and I was really seeking the Lord and experiencing him in a powerful way. And, uh, I had somebody threaten me at this time and, um, it's like I could see what they were saying, you know, and like at the moment I was about to get a gun and all this stuff. And, and like, I'm just thinking of like, all right, get yourself under control. You know, I thought about Elijah at that time um, and just how he ran and did all this stuff out of fear. But I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not moving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not fearing. I'm not fearing even death, you know. And I thought about Elisha when he, uh, you know, how his servant was scared. And he said, it's more that's with us than that's with them, you know. But, uh those emotions will try to jump on you, you know, and, and, uh, I think of Elijah, like he said, when he saw what she said, um, our minds, like, just like when I read the word, I can see what I can picture when I'm reading, I can see it, you know, so the same with, uh, in the natural, if somebody says something, if you really focus on that, you'll see something happening that's not even going to happen, you know? Yeah. So I had to get that, get myself, my emotions under control. We got somebody else. Anyone else? I'm going to wait. Come on, Kathy. She coming. Oh, you coming with her too, Brother Rick? He coming too. Come on, come on up here. You can stand up here beside your wife. Believe it or not, y'all, this is helping other people to understand. Yes, I was like, what what Rick got to say? Yeah, because I was talking about, I was thinking about myself because um, about emotions and everything, not getting to our emotions, but being able to hear the voice of God because, um, so when we're um, um, like upset or something happens, especially between um, husband and wife, you know, irritation, and everything becoming irritated um make sure you um you know can hear god when god's telling you what to do and what not to do or bring you correction so um this, we, it, this helped me it did help me because every time i hear the word it just brings me into 
reality, which I'm always thinking about it anyway. God's dealing with me all day long, and I'm before him, and it reminds me not to, sometimes I just lay it all out to God, be just gone. And not necessarily in my emotions, but I just have so much to say. <laughs> but uh, to be quiet some for instruction, because I really need instruction every day. And as a matter of fact, I was before the Lord today, uh, praying and waiting and asking for instruction in my life just to do anything and everything. So Amen. every time I hear you teach, it'd it be right at home, be right there. And a lot of times I don't say nothing because I'm taking it in, but Amen. yeah. Amen. All right, Brother Rick, you can pass the mic. Yeah, it had helped me so much because for about the last couple of weeks or so, I've been dealing with uh, are they Verizon or Altair, Verizon Wallace? But anyway, though, uh, Verizon. For about the last couple of weeks, we've been dealing with them. Well, I have been dealing with them. Well, we have been dealing with them because I got a new phone, and when I called them, and they, because um, they got to the place where now they don't want you to come in, you know, like the little office or whatever. They want you to do everything from home, and they want to just talk to you over the phone and tell you how to work, you know, how to set this up and set it up. But anyway, so the phone that they sent me, I worked with it, and it didn't have everything that, I needed on it, so we went over it for about, it took about an over hour. So we finally got that situated and realized that this wasn't the right phone. And so uh, um, sometimes, you know, you go all the way to China, and you got to even go into China, sometimes you, you, you can't understand all what they be saying. You got to keep, what did you say? And how do you, you know, try to get an understanding? But then I, long story short, then they sent me the next phone out. We was going over it, trying to get it set up, and, and, um, it was about the same thing, just go through the process, and about another hour trying to get it set up, and then we realized that it didn't have everything. No, we didn't ever had everything. They got tired. They said, well, take it to the store. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so we said, well, you don't, she said, no, that man said, take it to the store. No, me, me can't help. So anyway, we went in the store, and um, the young lady, she said, what's the problem with it? So she worked on it, and she got it set up, and we were able to get it, you know, kind of stuff, information, everything downloaded on it that we needed. But it still didn't work like I needed it to work. And then they went up on my phone bill. So anyway, this time I'm frustrated. I'm <laughs> aggravated. My emotions all in the way. And I called back and I said, who up answered this phone? How may I help you today? Who who I had the pleasure of speaking with? I said, Richard Newton. Well, how can we help you? I said, this phone you sent me, I said, I'm just, I'm just aggravated, causing me to spend more money. Because I had to go in this when I went in the store. They charged me to work on that phone. And still didn't get, well, she got what she could do with it, but anyway. And anyway, we were talking about it, and I said, well, I'm just kind of aggravated with it. And I say, um, you know, I say, it's not doing what I need to do. So she said, well, let me see if I can help. I said, well, what does it do? And she pulled it up, and uh, Kathy was in it. She was never with me then. She was in the shower somewhere or another. So I handled it by myself. So I was telling what the phone done and everything, and I was ready to go. I was ready to tell somebody off. I really wasn't, because I was emotionally, my emotions had me bound up to where, you know, I didn't, it didn't matter to me. All I wanted to do was just tell somebody off about that phone because my phone worked right. And I had no problem with my phone, but they done this to me. So anyway, she said, uh, she's working on the phone. She said, well, how can I help? And I was telling her, she said, well, uh, see, I'm going to talk. Say, listen, well, say, why are we doing, working on this? I'm going to say, I'm, I'm, you probably talking to myself, you know, so they don't pay me no mind. And anyway, she was talking to this woman. She said, how you doing? I said, you got a cup of coffee? I said, no, here didn't have no day. She said, me neither. And she said, I can't drink it. She was telling me, she said, she had migraines. She said, for the past 10 years, she had a migraine every single day. And she said that the um, coffee would set it off. And I'm sitting there, I'm all emotionalized. 
and she was going on, on telling me about, you know, the medication that she was trying, and, and then she went on, and I was like, well, I, said, I, I know I'm supposed to be feeling it. because this woman here, I said, she's reaching out, I need to be trying to get in my right place where I can kind of, you know, help minister her, help her out. And then she went on, and she was telling me about how she um, had long-term COVID, and how she slept, she can't help, she can't remember things, you know, every day, and take a while to get going, and she went on and on and on, and I'm sitting there, I was like, wow, I, I'm so emotional, and I'm so in a place, I couldn't even do anything to help. And then I was just saying, well, everything's all right, you know. But instead of minister telling her that, you know, about Jesus and, you know, what, what you need to look to and everything, long story short, I'm going to be honest with you, I could not do it because I was so emotionalized in the place I was in. And so whenever I got done, I just said, you be blessed because I couldn't even, you know, I, I, I couldn't take it. So when I got out, when Kelsey come back, I said, Kelsey, tell you what happened. She said, wait, my tailor. She said, why did you, uh, what did you tell her? I, I said, I couldn't tell her anything. She said, what was the name? And I told her, well, anyway, we began to pray for her, lift her up. But when you come up in your emotions like that, like Pastor said, like when you come in those emotions and you get emotionalized like that, you can't help nobody. You can barely help yourself. So that teaching helped me a lot to realize that when you get into that place, you know, um, when I get into that place, that I know where to look. And then just try to keep myself even getting in that place. But uh, that helped me so much tonight. When you emotionalize, it's all about you. Is that not a form of pride? Amen. See, we go right back to pride. Anyone else? I won't leave nobody else out before we cut it off. Did this help somebody tonight to let you know where you are? Somebody said, I ain't in that place. <laughs> okay, we're going to go ahead with our offering. Wasn't that an inspiring message? Thanks for listening to the end. Join us every Tuesday for Bible study and every Sunday for service. We're looking forward to hearing from you as well. Feel free to reach out to us via the website at www.mtdm.org. God bless you and we'll see you next time.